Father, what a joy it is to be with you, to know that your grace is in this room, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All the musicians disappeared from behind me. I was wondering whether they were going to stand there for, <laughs> for 30 minutes. So good to be with you. Good afternoon. My name is Ron. Some people call me Pastor Ron. Whatever you're comfortable with, I'm fine, I'm fine with. Uh, happy Christmas to you all. And congratulations to those people that have finished subjects, those, finished, those that have finished courses even in higher studies and are just about to leave and go back home at the end of the year. Congratulations to you. Put your hands up if you've been studying and you've finished a course or a, or a subject or whatever. Let me see you. Anybody? Not a person in the room. I've been led astray. Well, it's Christmas time, and I imagine that uh, people would be leaving on planes, going back home at the end of the year for a celebration to meet with their family, that there'd be a lot of feasting going on, there'd be a lot of reunion going on. And amazingly, that's exactly what we have in 1 Samuel 21, which we've come to as we've gone through Samuel. Read chapter 21 of Samuel, and you find it's the end of the year. People are taking a pause. People are going home. There's a whole lot of feasting going on. You're expected to be home. There's an empty chair there, and people are upset because all of the family and all of the friends haven't turned up in the moment. You find that there's one person there is very reticent, actually, to go home because they're not really assured about how they're going to be received. And typically you have, when the family comes together, you have the older ones reverting back to their role as children, telling the younger ones what they're doing and what they should do and where they should be. And of course, every annual gathering of the family and festivity doesn't always go exactly as intended. And you find in 1 Samuel 21, you find there uh, people upset, people jealous, people angry, people getting violent with one another, upset that the family is not exactly as it should be. And it's not even Christmas. They call it New Moon Celebration. Read about that in 1 Samuel 21. So at the end of this year, we can come back to that place where we meet with our family, we can have our festivities, we try to face the fact that some relationships may not be right, that people can be frustrated, we spend time together. But that's not Christmas. First Samuel calls it the New Moon Celebration, even though there's no mooncakes being distributed to people. So what then is Christmas? If all of that can be called by any name, what is Christmas? And Christmas is a season where with awe and wonder we recall that God has come to us and comes to us. Let's pray and I'll unpack some of that with you, okay? And as I pray, let's pray a little bit differently today. 
in that I'd like you to repeat after me as I pray. So let's try it together. Our Father in heaven, here I am. Just as I am. I invite you to come here as you are and to meet with me. here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christmas, a time when with grateful awe, we recall that God comes among us and comes to us. God. But immediately the atheist or the skeptic or the one that doesn't know where to stand in life at all and just gets busy says, what do you mean, God? Can you prove that God exists? As if God is a being to be proved. Now, we know that there's a whole lot of beings within the, within the earth. You might think of some sort of uh, sludge. You might see some sort of moss, fish, then larger than that, maybe you have birds, animals, human beings as we go up the scale of beings within the earth. And then I get a little bit confused about the order here, so forgive me. Above that, you have angels, and then you have Iron Man, and then you have a Spider-Man, and you have Wonder Woman, and then you have archangels, powers, authorities. You can see I'm a little muddled with how all that fits together. But up above all of the beings is this magnificent being called God. Can you prove that God exists? And the question is a little bit like, well, can you prove that the, the US Bigfoot exists? Or the Yeti? Or the abominable snowman? Some people say that they've seen them. Some people say they've had photos. Other people reveal that the photos have been rigged. Are they real or are they not real? Well, some say yes, some say no. So what does it really matter whether they exist or not? What does it really matter if God exists or not? Well, no one can prove it. So why don't we just get off and live life and enjoy ourselves? But God is not a being to be proved whether he exists or not. When we open up Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that the scriptures honored by Islamic people, Christians, and Jewish people, it says in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning, God began. No, before there is a beginning, God is already there. He's at the beginning, as the beginning takes place. God is not a being that's created after the beginning. He is that one that breathes into existence what is. Breathes all beings so that there is something. The ultimate origin, the ultimate source of all things. Now, last Christmas Day, 
uh, headed up by United States NASA organization, the James Webb Telescope, was launched. And in the 12 months that have gone by, its cameras have opened up of all different kinds and images are being sent to Earth. And recently, images that have taken 13 billion years at the speed of light to arrive at the James Webb Telescope and then be transmitted for us to see. Images that take 13 billion years at the speed of light to come here with its imagery portraying thousands of galaxies. And here we are on this little light blue spot within the universe. Comparatively with what all is less than a blip on the computer, a blink of the eye. All of human existence less than the sound of a snap of the fingers, comparatively. And predictably, every one of us in this room, absolutely thoroughly forgettable. I'm supposed to bring you good news, by the way. Let me see a show of hands of how many people can tell me the full names of their four grandparents. One good man. Half, half a, I think so, of a, down the front here. Another one here. And who can say the full names of the eight great grandparents? Brilliant man up here. I won't ask him about 16. <laughs> so what makes us think in two or three generations, if we're still here on earth, that anyone will even know our name? So small. And 13 billion light years, only the observable universe that we can actually see. This is not a being to be proved like something at the top of the chain of significance. God is one who breathes this. And Psalm 148 verse 5 says he commands and creates. And this is the God that comes among us in Christ Jesus our Lord. The creator who becomes the created. The magnificent who becomes in a manger. The invisible becoming visible. That which can't become comprehended, comprehended. Hail in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. God, the reason why there is anything at the beginning becomes flesh, John chapter 1, verse 14. The reason became flesh and dwelled amongst us. 
flesh like you sit in now. Eyes like you see me through. Ears like you hear me speak. The numinous there nursing at the breast of Mary. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 with God. God pleased that the, all the fullness of God would dwell in him. Or Colossians 2 verse 9. God, full deity in human form. Is it no wonder that the one that breathes out at a command, that which is so fast that leaves us comparatively forgettable and insignificant, has heaven break out with astonishment and praise, Gloria, Excelsius Deo. How can this be? In a man that breathes, that is so much at home that people can actually walk past and not see it. Veiled in flesh. Christmas is a time when we enter into the awe and amazement that God comes among us. And as we see him there, we see how God is. As we see him there approach people, we begin to understand how he approaches us. As we see that the way he speaks to people, we begin to see the way he speaks to us. And he moves with compassion. He moves with the word of healing. He sees people. He knows what's in them. He knows what it's to be in life as you are among us, breathing the air that we breathe, seeing the same sun that we see outside today. It's Christmas. So we enter into amazement that God who breathes all things into existence comes, comes amongst us and comes into our pain and feels it. And enters into the darkness that's within a human heart and the, the evil there and takes it upon himself. And rejected and not want anything, they put him on a cross, put him in a tomb, but death could not hold him. Because who holds the one who has breathed all things into being? risen. Christmas is that time where we went into amazement into that time when very God has come among us and comes to us. Now down around the bay uh, a little bit at Chelsea today this afternoon the uh, Chelsea 
historical society opened up the Chelsea Courthouse and put on a display of, of all their historical things. And amongst them was this large section of display of my great-grandfather, whose, whose name I actually know, sir. Thank you very much. I remember him. And he was an entrepreneur that had an open-air picture theatre in Mooney Ponds, and then he went to Chelsea and had an open-air picture theatre in Chelsea. These were the days in black and white film, no colour, what is that, and no music or no voice in the films either. So one of the family would have to get up and get the organ and would play the music appropriately to what was going on the scene. And so he ran the, what was called the Fox Theatre down there and the, and the family would go and sweep up the mess from people. And my mother would stand outside in the street on the P.N. Highway dressed as one of the characters in the film, beckoning people to come in. And the Chelsea Historical Society Day has this display of all of this and all of the history as they gather the things from the past and they remember them and treasure them and tell the stories of what happened yesterday and get their wrinkled little memories together and keep them because nobody really is interested in all of that stuff. Life is too busy. But this here is not the Chelsea Historical Society today. This is not the Caulfield Historical Society today. This is not the Praise Centre Museum today where we are telling stories merely of yesterday and the things that happened back then yonder and keeping it all alive lest it be yet we forget because everybody's too busy to worry about that stuff that happened back then. Wrinkled out of date, isn't it all a little bit funny? No, Christmas is a time when we're all in amazement. We enter into that amazement that God has come, very God has come among us, but comes to us. In revealing how he is, is how he remains. And as he comes into the very flesh of a human being, the scriptures make it really clear that he can be a home in the flesh of a human being. And he's just the same. He's here. Wanting to enter into your life. Wanting to live his life out in you. You won't last forever. But he does. And he wants to put his incredible inexpressible, beyond bounds life within you. And that life is never extinguishable. It never dies. It never runs out. And it's here. In the same compassion that he has for People back then, the Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever. It's the compassion that he has for you. He sees what you're going through. He knows your thoughts. 
He sees people not just by the smile on the face and the greeting that they have for people, that, but he sees the pain in the, in the eyes behind the smile. And he knows the woman. He sees the man. Willingly reaches out to heal, to restore, to renew, to impart his own life. Now hear the word of the Lord. It is not for nothing that he calls you the body of Christ here at Praise Center. The body of Christ. It's not you seeking to worship a God that's way back then or a God that's way up there. That's nonsense. He calls you the body of Christ because you are the people in which he wants to place and live as his very self. With you, the flesh that surrounds his very magnificent, incomparable life. It's not about us trying to be good, keep the rules. Otherwise, why would we need a savior? If we can do that, if we can all be appropriate as we ought to be. No, it's about opening up so that he can live his life out, enabling his life through us. Then you become the man that you know that your wife wants you to be because it's not just you trying to be it. Then you become the wife that you know that your husband really desires because it's not you just trying to have everything in order as it should be. It's then when you become the child that you ought to be, it's then you become the parents that you ought to be. Not living off our own strength, off our own ability, off our own accomplishment, off our own discipline, but fed by a life that's bigger than our own. And that sort of species is something that doesn't exist anywhere in any being. When the Apostle Paul speaks of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says if anyone, anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The word can be translated species. Anyone in Christ, there's a new species. You have men, you have women, you have parents, you have children, but here's another dimension of species that cannot be created any other way but created in Christ Jesus. Here is a new species because nowhere else do you see the flesh of a human being invaded by very God. A new species. Now as they walked past Jesus, many of them didn't see veiled in flesh the Godhead. See? They didn't see that. He was so much within a home with them and people will walk past you when Christ is within you and not see a thing. Veiled. Within you. Deeply. With it not yet observable, everything that is going on within you. I met with a dear minister friend of mine who now is a senior in years. He, oh, he's, he's amazing. He's actually older than me. <laughs> he, and he has Alzheimer's, which is a thing that you start to forget stuff, yeah? 
And he fell over and, he, he, and I went to visit him. We had a walk on the Mentone Beach together. And he was saying things that I had no idea what he was saying. Didn't matter, we were together. I was pleased that he knew who I was, but anything else he said was, was, did not make sense. Until we came back and we sat at a picnic table. And I said to him, well, let's pray. Not really knowing what would happen because his mind is not there. His feelings aren't there. And away he went in prayer. Away he went. Bless Ron. Let your spirit be upon him. Thank you, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom come. Passionate now to him. And I'm thinking, wow, where did that come from? I haven't heard a, a comprehensive word out of this man this entire time. And I come away understanding, new for me, that God is not just what you think about in the concepts of your head. He's much more deeper than what you can conceive. And when you let him into your life, it's something more than just a, a cognitive understanding of how you're seeing things. Because you might lose that. When you invite God into your life, it's not a set of feelings, even though it's nice to have beautiful ones, is it not? The feelings come and go and life tumbles around and it's upside down. But when we invite him in, he comes into a deeper core of us that cannot be taken away. When you invite him in, he will never leave you, even though you lose your capacity to hang on. He will be deep within you, even though other people cannot see it. Christmas is a time when the God of all the amazing things come amongst us, but comes to us. And he's here in the room wanting to be who he is with a life that never ends inside you. And the way that you amazingly receive that is just simple. Inside yourself, you say, well, I'll trust you. All right? Come. You be that magnificent Lord inside me. And you be what you're called Savior. It says that you put my life together because I'm tired of trying to put it together. It just does not come together. And I know that. So here I am. Come into my life as Lord. Come into my life as Savior. Who else are you going to go to? Who else can give you eternal life? Who else will love you from the inside without condition? And he's here. And this is a moment for you right in this room to say yes to him. If you've never received Jesus and opened your life to the Lord and say, yeah, I want to see your hand right now. This is your moment. To whom else will I go? Peter said to Jesus. You have the words of eternal life. Where's the person opening his life to Christ today 
for the very first time. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. I can remember when this first happened to me. I was 10 years old. 10. And my heart was thumping. And I thought something was wrong. And I thought if I just hang on here long enough, they'll get past this. And I won't have to worry about it anymore. But I didn't know that that was God's sovereign spirit seeing me. Saying, I want to live my life in you. And if that's you right now, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay, let me pray. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you that your magnificence unspeakable. You've come amongst us. In a human body, Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're exactly the same here, ready to live your life out within us. And I pray, Father, with the, with the intimacy of your spirit that is in this place, that you continue to meet these people, that you cause your face to shine upon them, that they'd be nurtured by the loveliness of who you are. And as they, as they let go, the more that they can never do, they will see with their eyes. And I pray in Jesus' name.